1: die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh, uh, this shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This shit is trump T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hello everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics I'm Julie, and I'm Brandy And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus politics Like we're talking about reality TV
2: And what a coronavirus-y week it was, meow meow It really, really was, you know what I mean? (laughs) The cases are going up, the deaths seem to be going down Mm -hmm. Some states, like 18 states, are closing their non-essential businesses Mm. again Great And on your birthday, we got too drunk and offended some of the people on our Patreon (laughs) podcast because we (laughs) joked around about how we suck at wearing masks. Happy coronavirus birthday, (laughs) Mamel! Oh, thank you. And thank you, thank you all. Oh, isn't it weird having a birthday? I mean, I can say that I didn't have one. My birthday's in January. Yeah. So it wasn't coronavirus yet.
1: Yeah. I think for those of us who are celebrating corona birthdays, it is very, very, very weird. Very weird. You know, you just need to take in it. But I know that I just tried to take it in perspective, and you know, whatever. Um, But certainly, the piling on of apparently offending people, and (laughs) uh, you know, was was challenging on your on your b day. On 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 my my birthday. birthday. But
2: the good thing is, is that the Patreon, our friends, and our family, and Patreon made you a big old card.
1: Yes. Then there was that, which was like, oh, like it was so thoughtful and nice. It was like a big card that people put like. They sign and they put pictures on, and it's so sweet and it's so nice. And and we
2: know that you and Goldie, Goldie Ton Olsen, are basically within a week of each other. I mean, I feel even more than just, you know, all of the geriatric, such as ourselves, celebrating birthdays in mm-hmm. Corona. It's really more about the real
1: births, right? Of uh, actual birth, uh, in yeah, Corona. Births yeah. during
2: Corona, but only the ones that have to do with
1: our podcast are right. the ones we care about.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we don't hear about your friend who doesn't listen who had a baby.
1: No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but those of those, there are little actual babies who have been given birth to during Corona, and it's amazing. So yes, to be within the same week of little Goldie is yeah. very nice, and the fact that it's we're actually and I like- have
2: Bertie and you have birdie yeah
1: and it's weird that their names are actually connected to our names in some way that's right you know what i mean that's right that's exactly birdie right is in your family gold yep. gold goldman you know what i mean they should have named her goldie goldman
2: god damn it paris <laughs> where were you on that goldie goldman mm-hmm. i mean i really do feel like that that little girl is like i mean she's in our hearts we love her we can't wait till, we got to put her picture up i can't wait till she is taking care of us we have another baby Um, Kate Vogel is our daughter Mm -hmm. but we found A son yes didn't we find A son Marco Rapola Uh, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. He Sent you an egg maker
1: This is so exciting I never (laughs) Never never would have Expected it I didn't really honestly Expect anything so it was Just such a nice surprise um now, Marco uh, Rapola sent a note and he said, hi, Julie and Brandy. Happy birthday, Julie and Brandy. Enjoy the eggs you forced Julie to make for you <laughs> and which you will likely eat over the sink. Marco Rapola, one of the proud 14. Now, I don't know if that's his real name because it's just so close to Marco Polo. Right.
2: However, I don't care because the name Marco is so cute. Yeah. He's so cute. Yeah. The egg carousel. Yes. To poach, soft boil and boil. I can't wait. Is... So fucking cute Uh-huh. that now Marco has become a little egg that rides around in the egg carousel. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. he's our little baby. He's one of yeah. our fallopian tube eggs. <laughs> exactly. And we just love him. We love him no matter
1: what his real name is. We're going to paint an egg <laughs> um, after we hard boil them. And we're going to paint his little face on it Maybe we'll just put his picture on it Ironically Kate Vogel Our other daughter Our other child
2: Mm. Sent us egg
1: decorating Perfect Well we're (laughs) going to use that egg decorating And we're going to put his face On one of the eggs And put him right on the windowsill So sweet Marco We love you Mm -hmm. And then what else Meow meow So Julie Lang sent a sweet um, Card also And a very God damn Julie Lang (laughs) God damn I mean the generosity Of this gift card she sent Was Shocking. To um, an alcohol website <laughs>
2: yeah. called Saucy, mm-hmm. which I want you to know, Julie, I did already order a couple of bottles of wine to my own home <laughs> yep, in yep. honor of Julie's birthday. Uh, and it was not even on her birthday. But <laughs> there's so much left that we've basically got our celebrations planned out mm. until New Year's 2023. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, exactly. What a sweet. So nice. So generous. And then Andione. I mean, our international British cohort. Okay. <laughs> she
2: she our, flies transatlantic, oh, cross Atlantic. I mean, that's not even what it is, Cross yes. the pond to party with us and then pops on back.
1: I mean, during the, especially now during this time, uh, you know, she's our our British connection, our. With it's, Gemma. Uh, exactly. And Andione um, sent a Best Buy gift card. And we can Uh-oh. safely say. <laughs> That's been spent fifty thousand times over. Yeah. Also, again, very generous, unnecessary,
2: and completely very thoughtful. You
1: and perfectly me. I mean, if you were to, I don't think I'm that hard to find a gift for. But
2: well, I don't know. Has anyone? I mean, your parents have never done it. No. I almost feel like I may. I've never done it, and it's a Best Buy gift card. Yeah. Yeah. That's true.
1: Oh my god. I mean, I could just like screens, TV, LCD, computer, cell phone. video games supplies I'm sure she's gonna get a
2: useless Mm. tool belt type of supply like look at this 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 I can put tools (laughs) in I'm like when would you ever here's a case I got for all my electronics I love (laughs) cases yeah I love cases yeah the
1: accoutrements at Best Buy I love it so I'm excited about that and then unbeknownst to me (laughs) knock knock knocking at the door is a delivery of chocolate covered strawberries from Leah motherfucking black Which I think this is the first birthday of Yours
2: since in 2015 uh-huh. we have spent at least Some period of time in the week Of your birthday with Leah all the time all the time Yeah. It is the first time we haven't gotten to see Leah we have not seen that fucking Bitch I since know. December Since January we miss Her so much yeah we usually see Her we would have already seen her on spring Break and we had
1: plans yeah and she Even said because I thanked her for the Thanked her for the strawberries and we're texting whatever. And she is just feeling it. She's missing it. She's missing us. She wants to come to L.A. She's like, we could be having fabulous parties right now. We could be, you know, and it's just like, no, but we're not. We're fucking wearing masks and fucking and just stuck inside. very dorky lives. I mean, our <laughs> glamour <laughs> quotient
2: just Ugh. in the toilet. She has literally begged us to to put every animal <laughs> yeah, in the car yeah. and and also um, our friend Brendan. Yeah. And drive cross country. Yeah. And I'm like well Brendan can rent um, An RV and drive it And it's the only way he's coming with us But drive all the way to Miami And then live with her And I'm like but are you going to make us Wait are you going to make us live in the garage for two days While you spray us down Yeah because we need to be disinfected for two
1: days Oh my god if we could park a huge RV In front of Leah's on Leah's driveway And live there Oh, can you know, you she imagine. Has, oh, and I'm sure she has a wraparound driveway plus a separate garage. Ugh.
2: You know those driveways where you can put your cool cars in the front. Oh, it's like a circle. yeah. She has all of that. She's, we really, really do miss Leah. She's we do. A really good friend of ours. We yeah. miss being mean to RJ and telling him he's white privilege. <laughs> yeah. And. You know it's like teaching him how to Like try and be humble and you know He's a teenager so Mm -hmm. he's just an ass Mm -hmm. We miss Roy Mm -hmm. and Talking to Roy for hours about how we can do a Class action suit against Instagram (laughs) and Him telling us we're idiots (laughs) And different things it's it's been It's I mean I feel it I feel it This summer I feel summer
1: is fun yeah I Feel it too you just don't realize There's another another added thing with, With Corona you just realize What you've been taking for granted Yeah you know
2: it's true so, and it's just like missing our Family you know mm-hmm. Alright well again thank you to all The Patreon family that signed the card If you want to join our Patreon um, Just remember it can get dicey Over there um, <laughs> www.patreon.com Slash mm-hmm. Thank you to Marco Julie Lang and Dione and of course Leah We love you guys Julie um, Really just really sweet Julie Deserves to be loved and celebrated on her Birthday And now it's time for the shitty week in Corona.
0: (laughs) Guess what, bitch? (laughs) Coronavirus! Coronavirus! (laughs) Shit is real!
1: The name of this segment from eye of the Shitstorm" to the shitty week in Corona and since changing the name this was by far the shittiest week in Corona. Okay cases surge nationwide mainly among younger people this time and it remains to be seen whether it was because of bars and restaurants opening up or the weeks of huge marches across the country. But whatever the reason it's real it's happening it's here and it's been here because it's a pandemic but with all due to the people who have lost someone know someone or who have themselves suffered from COVID-19. Here on this podcast, no amount of state testing statistics or fighting about masks is going to make us stop talking about the most important and in fact deadliest epidemic in America, and that's racial inequality and injustice. Now is the time,
2: this is the fight dumb gay politics is here for. We're committed to it and we refuse to look away. Trump sucks, and he's made the pandemic 10 times worse than it had to be. We want everyone to stay safe, stay home when you can, and wear a mask. But turns out, sweetie, we don't fucking care if Mike Pence doesn't wear a mask. We care that he won't say Black Lives Matter. We don't fucking care if the protesters don't wear masks. We care that they're out there, day in and day out, marching and protesting for Black Lives Matter. And we're so grateful that they're doing it So we don't have to be out there doing it This show is our Black Lives Matter march And we are marching every fucking week Until November and beyond Because for us, this moment is so much bigger Than COVID-19
1: Clearly Because as of today, America is on its 31st consecutive day of civil unrest Every day we wake up and get scared That the marches have stopped And every day, they never do And it's so fucking awesome We never want them to end. We want them to happen every day until November when Joe Biden becomes president and Democrats win the House and the Senate. And then... We want them to keep happening until they pass the sweeping police reform bill and then pass the sweeping voter suppression bill and then pass the sweeping antitrust bill to break up and regulate Amazon and Facebook and Google and then pass the wealth tax bill. And don't forget ratifying Roe v. Wade. So the Constitution to include a woman's right to choose and then we can all throw a high five and start marching again for racial equality in public schools, infrastructure, universal basic income of a thousand dollars a month and free fucking child care. Fuck yeah.
2: <laughs> that's how it's all going to go down. <sighs> we predicted it here, and that's how it's all going to go <sighs> down. God. Corona who? Well, this past week took us one step closer to taking back Congress. And what makes it even more exciting is that a lot of the candidates that won their primaries, meow meow, are black. Mm-hmm. And two of them are gay, too. Wow! Now, if you're new here, or you missed our show from two weeks ago, we did interview Charles Booker. He's the Senate candidate from Kentucky who is running against a white lady Trump Democrat <laughs> with a way bigger budget. Uh-huh. Bigger budgets mean more commercials, and people running massive campaign ads are very hard to yeah. beat. Yep. But thanks, in literally no part, to our podcast, <laughs> Charles Booker is neck and neck with Amy McGrath yep. and at certain times has even outtaken her by a few points. Amazing. Those final results come in later tonight and we did consider waiting, but the last time we waited in a primary, we were up all night and ended up a day late and a dollar <laughs> short crying about Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. So, okay. Well quickly, because you guys need to know this crap in New York 16th district, which is like the Bronx, there had been a, a, you know, a 2,300 million year incumbent, Elliot Angle. He's fucking whack. Julie thinks he looks like
1: a pedophile with all due. You look weird. You're going to be weird. He looks like a character out of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just take a look. Just take a look. I'm talking in the 70s.
2: And Jamal Bowman. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is an incumbent Democrat who's yeah. who's been in that district. Jamal Bowman, a black guy who's a principal. Uh, Like a junior high A middle school He was a
1: principal At a middle school
2: It's an upset like AOC Yes New York is shook Yeah We are shook He is fucking awesome Yeah
1: Elliot Engel is the chairman Of the like Foreign Relations Committee He's like Not just been there Sitting there for 23 years But he's like Sitting up He's like Jerry Nadler He's like Huge Huge but th- listen, and he got his ass handed to him. Yes.
2: He didn't. He didn't shelter in place in right. his district. Right. He stayed in his posh neighborhood in Washington. Right. And then he got caught on a hot mic saying, begging to like get on get on the mic at this like sort of address that the president of like the city council of the Bronx was holding. And he just said, "Look, man, I wouldn't even be trying to talk if it wasn't if I didn't have a primary. I wouldn't right. even be here." Right. And people were just like turned off. Yep. The guy's whack. Yep. Bye, bitch. Bye, bitch. Keep on sweeping out these old <laughs> white losers. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't care yeah. what party you in. I'm yep. so stoked. Yep. So then we got Mondaire Jones. And now here's the deal, you guys. <laughs> 17th District. Meow, meow, That's above the Bronx. So this is like what? Like a suburb. Or I believe like-
1: it's in Westchester. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this guy's black. He's
2: gay. If he wins, and it looks like he will, his seat was previously. I mean, he already won the primary, but he has to win, right? Um, you know, but it, but because his the his seat was previously held by Nita Lowey, who is retiring, also old, also white. If he when he gets in there in November, he'll be the first openly gay black congressman. I let, want to let you guys know Meow Meow and I are going to reach out and it is going to work and he will be coming on the podcast and we will be rocking Mondair Jones shirts and everybody's going to be like, where the fuck did you get that? And we're going to be like, we're not telling because that's how tight this shit is. Yep. We are obsessed with Mondair. I mean, I we're going to play this campaign ad. Okay. I had to leave the room and cry <laughs> and come into the drug den and cry,
1: which was great because when she <laughs> left, I was able to have my own cry. So it's perfect.
3: My grandfather used to tell me a story about how when he would walk to school growing up in Virginia, uh, that there were white students who got to take the bus, and they would spit on him through the school bus windows as he was walking a dirt path on his way to school. I was raised by a single mother who worked multiple jobs, and we still needed food stamps to get by. My grandparents helped raise me. My grandfather was a janitor. My grandmother cleaned homes. I didn't come from money. I'm black, I'm gay, and so I don't see people like me in office very often.
0: Heavenly Father, please
3: help us. Every day we wake up and it feels like the world is on fire.
0: But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides.
3: A woman's right to choose is on fire. This economy is on fire. The Department of Justice is on fire. The right to be free from the epidemic of gun violence is on fire. This is what my grandparents had to experience when they were growing up half a century ago. And the response of Democrats in 2019 cannot be to compromise our values for the sake of compromise. We have got to be fighting tooth and nail for the things that we say we believe in, like a Green New Deal, Medicare for All, and criminal justice reform. I've been fighting my entire life. First, it was against the odds of my upbringing to make it to Stanford University to work in the Obama administration and then go to Harvard Law School. I've been fighting in the courtrooms on behalf of Westchester County residents. And now I'm running to fight for the people of New York's 17th congressional district to represent the same people whose homes I watched my grandmother clean. That is the quintessential American dream We don't need more millionaires in Congress. We need more people of color, more young people, more queer people. We need more people in office who understand that experience, who can speak to people who have been shut out of the political process. The stakes are too high for us to just sit out on the sidelines. My grandmother would be stoked if I won. Yeah, she's already really proud of me.
2: There's also Richie Torres, who won the Democratic primary for New York's 15th district, which is the South Bronx. This is all kind of in the same area, these three guys. Richie Torres is also, is gay, openly gay. The gays are growing up and getting into politics, bitch. He was the youngest person to ever be elected to legislative office in the Bronx. Mm -hmm.
1: And the first openly gay candidate. And he's interesting because he's more, he says he's a progressive Democrat, but he's like, he's trying to talk a more... I don't know really what the right word is like he's trying to speak to moderates he's trying to speak the language yeah so that the, he that he won't seem so scary yeah but he's, since he's so young and, and, and yeah right exactly yeah
2: well it's all exciting and great and the there are things to just hold on to to really feel good right now. Yeah. Because November is going to we're going to blink and that shit's going to be here. I mean, it's already goddamn Fourth of July, Mm. which is supposed to be our one week off a year. But we already took it a little (laughs) time ago, so we can't do it now. But the thing that's really exciting is that in North Carolina, Trump had endorsed He he backed a candidate to replace Mark Meadows, who's a dumb piece of shit that Trump had come up to his administration. So Mm -hmm. he abandoned the seat. The Republican Party was pissed because they didn't want they don't want any seats abandoned because we're snatching every seat left Mm -hmm. and right. And I think it's fucking clear. Yeah. So but Trump backed a certain candidate and this 24 year old motivational speaker Republican named Madison Cawthorn, who's paralyzed from the waist down. He rolled his wheelchair right in and beat handily and easily beat Trump's candidate. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very bad sign when North Carolina went with Trump. Right. And then in Kentucky, same thing. There's this sitting congressman named Thomas Massey, who is Republican, but he basically he forced a vote. Everybody was gone during coronavirus mm-hmm. and this guy Thomas Massey was in D.C. There was a there was a vote on an economic a package, the yeah. care package, you know, mm-hmm. for everybody to get the stimulus, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Rather than let people vote like v- digitally or over the phone or whatever, he demanded that they come in and vote in person. So they all had to hop on planes. So he literally became the most hated man in Washington. Oh, my God. And Trump. <laughs> Trump went on Twitter, was ripping the guy a new asshole left and right, blatantly was like, Kentucky, you got to lose this loser. He's (laughs) irresponsible. He didn't want you to get your relief package going off on him. Kentucky, he won with 90%
1: of the vote. Oh, my God. So
2: it's showing you, despite wanting the stimulus check and Trump saying he wasn't going to give it to you, nobody's believing him. Nobody's fucking buying into his shit anymore. Right. And he's scared. And now the Republican Party is having to take a look and be like, do we want him to endorse our candidates? They're having to way, way, way re-strategize because his his word isn't gold anymore. He's not going to wave his fucking ginger wand and be like, (laughs) this is who's going to win this time. Oh, my God. And uh, it's and he made a really big production about trying to screw that guy.
1: Right. That is so interesting I was just perusing through Some pics of Thomas Massey and Yeah what's interesting and I this Is slightly off topic but it really is Interesting how week after week when We delve into the Congress or into Trump administration or into Republicans At all I They literally are like the I was saying To you earlier they're like the Hydra like you, sh- you Cut one head off and three more come up That you don't even know are there I li- This guy wasn't on my radar at all, at all At all and I just just from pictures I'm like oh I'm gonna go ahead and look at you later, and <laughs> I know I'm gonna be filled with rage and hate. And I can already tell I hate your fucking guts. Like they're yeah the the level of Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, uh, fucking Doug Collins, and these guys Mark are Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows. They are repugnant toads.
2: Now it's time for quarantine skew.
0: All. Oh.
1: Now it's time for Brandy and I to ride our tiny bicicleta to skew.
2: This is our segment called Time for Skew, where a live person teaches us something. And today, we are going to learn everything we can in 30 minutes about police reform. And I am truly beside myself because our quarantine professor for the day is Dr. Philip Atiba Goff.
1: Now, for the record, we love this segment. And we have learned so much from all our past professors. But Dr. Goff is an actual professor. Like as one of his jobs. Do you understand? Okay. The person teaching us about police reform is literally a professor of policing equity at John Jay Criminal Justice College in New York.
2: And meanwhile, he also has like 20 other important jobs that he's doing at all times. Being a criminal justice, civil rights professor is probably just one of his <laughs> hobby jobs that he does just to unwind. He's also the co-founder and CEO of the Center for Policing Equity, which is the number one organization on racism and policing in the entire fucking world. <laughs> yep. How incredible is that? This man is so next level, everything, simply hearing him talk will make you feel like quitting your own life. I mean, he probably can't even walk outside and order a coffee without underwear flying at his head (laughs) from every gender identity in every direction.
1: Literally. I think he might have turned Rachel Maddow straight. Okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, I usually hate men, you know, but I want to enroll in his class just so that I never have to stop hearing him explain things to me. But lucky for us, that's exactly why he's here today. So without further ado, it's time for Police Reform Sku with Dr. Philip Atiba Goff. Hi, Hi, Dr. Dr. Goff.
4: (laughs) All right. Uh, There's no way to live up to that intro. So it's been (laughs) lovely and I appreciate it. But now I have to go. Good night. Good night.
1: (laughs) See you later.
2: So now just to start, there's a million sort of different hashtags being bandied about right now. And we really want you to explain just sort of the basic difference between institutional reform versus defunding the police versus abolishing the police.
4: Okay, um, let's start with fuck all that noise. Okay, Um, hold
1: on, let me write that down. There's no
4: reason, yeah, no, Make really, fuck with the hard CK. Okay, hold on. All of that noise. Uh, I'm I'm so glad also to be able to talk uh, without having to worry about whether or not cursing is okay. Oh my god, Um, (laughs) please. The deal is that um, all of those things overlap in terms of providing better security and safety for vulnerable communities. Um, abolition means a whole bunch of different things to different people. Um, So let me give you a couple of different ways that people talk about it. One is literally, I mean, literally, fuck the police. They're gone. (laughs) They're out. I only want the one dude from the village people. Um, And the the communities can take care of themselves, Mm. right? Um, There's literally no need for them. We have other ways of managing. And this is functionally what happens in a lot of, incredibly secure financial um, uh, communities. They have their own private security that literally works for the 17 people in the gated community mm. um, uh, that all you know swap partners um, and get drunk with the kids on the weekend. Mm. Um, if you've got enough money, functionally, you have defunded the police because your security is privatized. That's a, that's a level of abolition that makes sense for some folks. You say, we, we need resources so we don't need armed responses to things. Another version of abolition, which is, again, just get rid of the thing, is to say, look, we didn't have formal law enforcement in this country in a whole bunch of different cities until there was property that had two legs and could learn to read. It was really the folks who were descended from Africa um, and some native folks. We're not talking about the Irish here. It is not comparable. (laughs) But the idea is essentially when black people were running away towards freedom, they said, we need a full-time employment unit to chase their asses down.
1: Wow. So the right? police the police is literally created to keep black people from freedom.
4: In some cities, there's no, there's no record of a formal um, police department until there are runaway slaves. Mm, wow. And I want to be clear, even in the cities where that's not true, there is no city that has existed for any length of time that didn't have formally racist laws. And who the heck has to enforce formally racist laws? That'd be the police. That'd be law enforcement. Mm. (laughs) So at no point in time between the time when they're like, hey, my slaves are running away. I will pay you to catch them through. Hey, those black people are in my neighborhood late at night and I want you to beat them up. Did we say, hey, that whole reason for this institution to exist? That's fucked up. We should start over. So one idea of abolition is the mission was fucked from the beginning. Abolish it and then start over. But the more common theme that I hear, both from Black communities and from many of the activists that we work closely with, is some version of "We need to invest in Black communities from which we have divested." There's no um, <clears throat> social welfare programs there. We don't have public health. We don't have mental health services. 14 million kids go to school with no nurse, no no psychological services, but they got a cop in the school, right? Like those sets of things where we've taken all the money out of all the social programs. And then the only thing we fund are the police that is not the makings of actual public safety because public safety doesn't exist where you've got a an armed unit that can uh, respond to every single thing it exists when you don't have to call the police in the first place so the calls to defund are frequently shrink the footprint of punishment grow our investment in empowerment and you'll have safer communities that way and i want to be clear the reason why i said fuck all that noise at the beginning (laughs) is because there is no daylight between those set of demands in terms of the outcomes and what police chiefs have been telling me for the last dozen years as the head of the Center for Policing Equity. There is no police chief that I talk to on the regular who says, you know what I want? I want for my officers to show up in schools where kids are having a meltdown and introduce a badge and a gun to a high school kid's worst day. You know what I think is the best way to respond to someone who's overdosing? It's with the threat of imprisonment. Nobody thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> right? The chiefs don't think so. The officers don't think so. And the protesters don't think so. Now, where there is a, like, is the protesters are like, I want to take your budget. And the chiefs are like, well, hold on right a second there. <laughs> like, yeah. I was with you until I had less money. But that's 90% agreement. Between the folks who think the police should get bigger budgets and the folks who think the police shouldn't exist. Mm. The reason why we're having this conversation right now is because we've never had honest conversations about race and what is owed to black folks. Right? So that's the reason why it sounds so divisive. And like some of these claims are that's lunacy. How could we possibly ever do that? No, everybody who knows what the fuck they're talking about thinks that the vast majority of these demands are absolutely credible, they're feasible, they're implementable right now, they're concrete. Everybody who knows what they're talking about, but we don't know how to talk to each other because race has always been the sin that's been in the way.
2: If you had the power to do like restructure law enforcement or the police in any way you could right now, just I don't even care if it's like we all fly. What would what would you make? How would it look?
4: So if flying is an option, for sure, we just start there, <laughs> right? Like, why, why would you offer that and then not expect me to take it immediately? I mean, we're going um, uh, with, like, seems, seems it that. just seems very mean. We're done. We're, we've solved it. We solved it. Thank you. Handshake, handshake. We're done. But so, like, this magic wand question um, that I get kind of all the time. Ugh, how, um, how
2: dare I be so
4: cliché? No, no, no. Like, the, the thing, the reason why I get it all the time is because, People are really at that moment where they're like, "Wow, well, what we've been doing is fucked." Yeah. But I can't imagine what would be next. Or so hopefully an expert right. will come along and tell us yeah, exactly because because we don't know. And here's the thing: I hope people get. Lots of times, experts are supposed to come on TV or you know, fabulously gay podcasts um, <laughs> and explain all the things, right? Like you're, the thing is, you're supposed to ask questions and I'm supposed to have answers. I absolutely am an expert, and I can expertly tell you I don't have a fucking clue. What the best way is, okay? And it's really important for experts to say that because the the point is not that we have the answers. The point is that our guesses are going to be better informed Mm -hmm. and we're going to be more responsible with the things we don't know. And I'm saying that not just because I'm talking about policing, but because if we understood and had that healthy respect for how science fucking works, (laughs) then we'd have tens of thousands of people who wouldn't be dead of the coronavirus right now.
1: Yeah. Do you think part of right, it is so- like the other experts? Let's say there's other experts, you think like what you're saying, I think is actually kind of like vulnerable and honest to say, I don't I don't know, I don't have the answers, but if we were to all be honest with each other and go, none of us know, but we all do know that this exists, this exists, yeah. this exists, this exists, and we're all gonna come together to try to fight it, maybe we could do that.
4: Yeah, that's exactly the way that it should work. So I mean, I'll take the issue of masks. If somebody had said, Hey, we don't know how well masks are going to work at the very beginning. We don't know how well masks are going to work in terms of protecting you. Like, we're just not a 1,000% sure. But while we don't have a lot of masks, let's save them for the people we know are infected and the people who are going into hospitals. And as we learn more, we'll update you. If they had said that out loud, which is, by the way, what doctors and medical professionals and epidemiologists were saying, then nobody is confused when they say, all right, everybody wear a mask. We got enough. Right. Right. But instead, what happens is like, oh, doctors said don't wear masks. Now they said wear a mask. Nobody knows anything. Um, uh, That's why it's all about our individual rights. So that's that's part of the problem. It's the same thing on policing. Right. We have not invested in policing nearly as much as we've invested in infectious diseases. And so we know even less about the right ways to produce public safety than we do about what's going on with the damn coronavirus. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. But that said, I can tell you this. There are some principles. If the people who are being policed the most don't have voice in how the police police them, you are going to see pushback, violence, and even sometimes uprising and riots. I can also tell you that if we're not focused on giving people the resources so communities don't have to call the police in the first place, then we're not focused on the right thing. We framed policing and we played public safety about taking the bad people out of communities as opposed to imagining that every moment of crime is a failure of that community. Because the community failed to provide the resources that were necessary for someone to live within the restrictions of the the social contract, Mm. right? So because we framed the problem wrong, we end up with solutions that are ill-fitted towards our values. I don't know what it will look like if and when we ever get it right, but I know that radically different approaches are necessary because what we've been doing sure as fuck hasn't worked.
2: Is it gonna be something that we try in like Minneapolis and then uh, one city at a time, or it could be reform across the board and then how long would that take?
4: (laughs) Oh, I so wish we could do a reform across the board, (laughs) but that would require adult leadership. So don't even hope. No, I mean, so law enforcement is set up. Um, it's regulated by states. So like Alabama regulates law enforcement in Alabama, and the federal government doesn't have a lot to say about how. There's not a lot of federal levers on municipal law enforcement or on state patrols. Okay. The federal government controls the FBI and the FBI only, right? <clears throat> so what they can do is they can say, here's some things we'd like you to do, but that's called a request. Um, they could also say, if you don't do this, we won't give you money, which is less than 5% of your budget at the at the largest, in which case law enforcement will say, okay. So the levers are relatively slim except for litigation. And, you know, there was a presidential candidate in the last cycle who said, every police shooting needs to be investigated by DOJ. And I cried. I cried laughing. Because <laughs> the DOJ... Um, the, the number of people they had during the Obama administration, so this is back when we had a democracy, um, like DOJ had seven lawyers who specialized in doing these kinds of investigations and three who were managers. Three folks who could lead an investigation with a 1,000 police-involved homicides a year. For those of you who are paying attention, that's around 333 cases per year per lawyer. Good luck, fucker. That's a case a day, and you get off federal holidays. Wow. Right? Like, that's not a reasonable way to okay. do this. So local local places, like local jurisdictions are going to have to do this, states are going to have to do this, and the federal government can amplify the best of what we know. But what they should be doing is trying to get the leaders to do better research and to coordinate their efforts so that instead of trying one thing that we know doesn't work, like the damn D.A.R.E. program, just say no to drugs. That's like telling teenagers, just say no to masturbation. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <clears throat> Right. Like that doesn't work. And we've got decades of evidence. Stop trying it. That's magical thinking. That's what leadership could do if we had any. And I hope one day we return to a world (laughs) where our leaders are not just the worst among us. Right. Maybe somewhere in the middle. I'd like I would absolutely cut off a limb for a bunch of C students running our government (laughs) at this point.
2: What is the deal with the unions? Are that is that one giant national organization or is it separate? Is that separated by state or city? These police unions?
4: Yeah, so people who specialize in police unions still don't know what the fuck they're doing because, and not because they're not good, but because unions are real confusing. So there's uh, the National FOP, which is the largest police union, and th- that is fed- you know federalized in, in the sense or federated, excuse me, in the sense that um, there's a national branch and then you have local branches. But then in a place like New York. There's the officers' union, the sergeants' benevolent association, um, the lieutenants, the detectives. Um, I think if you got a white oh dog, God. you get a different Jesus. union. Oh, like, it's, it's, God. every God. level has a different fucking union. I mean, wow. NIPD is somewhere between 40,000 officers and 200,000 officers. It's huge. It's a city. Um... So, I mean, it's different than all other law enforcement, um, but you do have different unions in different cities. And remember, there's 18,000 law enforcement agencies, roughly, in the U.S. 75% of them are 25 officers or fewer, and 1,000 of them are just one dude. And, and it's oh, always a dude, I want to be oh clear. Oh, my God. It's um,
2: like a guy so, from, like, an, an olden day show Like in the around. Cannonball yeah, Run I or
1: smoking in the Bandits sitting one in man? a sheriff's office.
4: It's one dude who is often on a horse, which is often in the back of a truck, being driven by someone who is the one dude at the next county over. Law enforcement in the United States is mostly tiny. Weird. In terms of the numbers that are going around. That means they got no union, but they also don't have somebody who works homicides. Right? They've got Steve. And Steve does parking meters, and on alternate Tuesdays, he does cold <laughs> cases on homicide. Like, that's a real fucking thing.
2: I mean, if I ever have to dump a body, I'm definitely going to do it in the one-horse I'm going town. where Steve yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. <laughs> so, what is the deal with these fucking unions? So, they give all these Democrats and Republican Yeah, why are
1: they so powerful? And, yeah.
4: This is a thing that unions in general do. Unions in general become politicized. Um, they involve themselves in... A local political process, because that makes it easier for them to negotiate their contracts later. People get mad at teachers unions in cities for the same reason. It's just that they don't collect so much money. Um, and so po- police unions, particularly um, in the 80s and 90s, started gathering war chests um, to make sure that it was scary to do things in political office that ran counter to their interests. Now, from a selfish perspective, you get that. You want power and you use power to make sure that other people give you the things that you want. Um, The problem is that in many cases, not all, but in many cases for union leadership, their only interest is making sure that nobody on the force has bad things happen to them, regardless of whether or not the behaviors of an individual are bad for the profession or bad for the other officers.
2: But why? Are, are they built on like racial bias in the first place? Why is it? Of course, you want your union members to make the most money, and but to to pay, make these people above the law, why?
4: Yeah. So it, it's easy to tell stories about this. Like all of this is a villainy. Um, and I would just encourage everybody, resist that urge, because you're going to end up with solutions that don't end up solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely, there are some union heads that I have met who just hate the Negroes. Um, like, it's, it's real easy. You smell it on their breath, the way they look me up and down and ask whether or not I really have a PhD. Like, mm-hmm. those people are obvious. But for the most part, there's this perverse incentive. So let's imagine that we're all together in a police department, and somebody has to, to run for the union head. And there's two candidates. The three of us are going to vote between these two candidates. And one candidate says, I am going to not support people who I think did wrong and damage our reputation and our brand. And you, the three of us, we like that. We're like, hey, that sounds good. And the other person says, I'm going to support you no matter what the fuck you do, because that's what we do in this unit. The second person always wins. Mm it doesn't matter that we all share the same values like oh some people really shouldn't be here the second person always wins so the union leadership isn't even always the most representative of the rest of the folks and in fact in many places black and women officers tend not to vote in unions they don't participate because they feel like their views are not well represented there but the union is the only group that can negotiate the the contracts The collective bargaining is handled exclusively through the union. And that means you have even sort of roughly equal numbers of black and white uh, 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 officers, but they're all white union leadership.
2: So in a problematic sort of, uh, let's say, precinct or whatever the word is, is it is that environment set up like that because of the unions or like how much responsibility goes to the police chief? Are they usually better than like maybe whatever set of officers are gross assholes? Um
4: <laughs> it, it is often the case that um accidents and incompetence are bigger drivers of the problems than malice. Right? Um it is often the case, but it's also the case that accidents and incompetence abet malice. So in lots of departments we see, it really is just like bigoted officers that are doing the worst of the dirt. Officers that are just like I mean, the ones we just saw in in Charlotte, who were fired, who said, the race wars are coming, and I can't wait to go out and slaughter N-words. Mm. Like, you could not be more clear. Um, Though to be clear, in San Antonio, the guy who was beating somebody and calling him an N-word was fired and then just got his job back, and the union said, eh, saying the N-word is just as bad as the mayor saying, goddamn. Which, in the words, just in the words of John Mullaney, I gotta say, like, if you're arguing about the badness of two words, and you won't even say one of those words... <laughs> that's the worst word <laughs> uh, that's right? Like he said god and he won't even say what the n-word is that's so no me. it's not
0: <laughs> uh, that's good
4: <laughs> um, but yeah, so in, in those situations, the union, but also the civil service contract, and also the way in which the, the, um, the process of arbitration works, and also the culture or the subculture within that precinct, all of those things conspire to say, how bad is it really? And how hard do you really want to fight for this one? They wear it down by an attrition.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? who calls in an arbitrator like in the in the case of those guys in San Jose they had like some kind of racist social media situation one of them was fired and then they brought in an arbitrator and he got his job back and then got caught in like some <laughs> like whack fucking Facebook groups yeah. gross Facebook yeah. group so like who is the arbitrator is that from the union
4: so arbitration is often just a way to make sure that people don't lose their jobs, but it will it, depend. So in some places they have a special arbiter um, who comes in and does all police work. In some cases the city has that to avoid other lawsuits. Um, so it's basically anybody who gets fired by the city, you have the same arbitration uh, uh, team that comes in. And In some places it is that there will be a process. In fact, there will be arbitration for choosing arbitration. Um, <clears throat> but in every city the goal of it is, hey, everybody don't be so mad. And when somebody was using racial slurs and beating people while doing it, I don't know that that's the best solution to our collective problem. No. <laughs> right, talking about our feelings in that moment doesn't seem like it's, it's ideal for solving problems of injustice, right? So it's the wrong tool for the problem that we've got. And that I think is the, it's the core of the whole conversation. Policing is the wrong tool for the problems that we've got. I mean, police are good at stopping individuals from committing criminal violence, but they are powerless to save communities from the violence of poverty or state neglect. And the problem is that first problem of criminal violence always follows the second set of problems. And we're using police to try and solve all of it.
2: How hard is it to fire these guys? Like, what's the process? Does the police chief go, you're fired, and then a union comes in and goes, turns out, sweetie, they're coming on back to work. And everyone's like, (laughs) okay, fucking Adolph's coming back to work, guys. Like, what's the problem, you guys?
4: (laughs) So it'll depend on the city, um, but lots of times what'll happen is there's a process internally. um, The chief will usually make the decision. Um, There's an arbitration process in the city, or city attorney will take a look. um, Or there's a a lawsuit to get their jobs back. Mm. Um, And... The the deck is stacked in favor of law enforcement. That's I mean the the long and short is it's hard to fire law enforcement um, because they're civil service and anybody who's ever had a civil service job knows how very difficult it is to lose one.
2: We watched you in the the hearing for the Justice and Policing Act. God,
1: I could talk to you for an hour about that, <laughs> and I want to go through every okay, single I mean, we- disgusting. <laughs> I have to force Julie not to
2: bring up Jim Jordan, I'm like, we don't have time for that shit Matt Gaetz, Jim Jordan, (laughs) the other one, I can't remember his name So Uh. you're, one of the things that you, you talked about was wanting a national registry So what, why would that matter? Like, does the registry for, like, sex offenders matter? Would it matter? How, how would it help?
4: Yeah, so registry on sex offenders is an entirely different (laughs) thing Um, uh, You would hope, at least um and uh, there's actually lots of reasons why the registry for sex offenders is a problem because um, it tends no seriously it tends to target folks who were younger when they committed their acts um that they actually were involved in what we might consider to be genuinely consensual acts but because of the ages of the people involved it looks like it's a problem but he was 17 and she was 16 and that's a problem in the state Well yeah Things that's like what, that. I, I don't
2: t- ever lo- I mean I don't ever consider it like a very valid right cuz someone's life is ruined cuz 17-year-old kid had a sex yeah, with a we 16-year-old just, girl. We don't know that. anyone who's like, let me refer to the sex offender registry and see what's going on <laughs> this see month. What's doing. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who, who does that who has yeah. anything like healthy functioning. Um, uh, but, but that's a different topic, different podcast on the, yes. the fired officer registry. It's a lot like this. If you knew that the surgeon who was working on you um, had had their license revoked um, for eating chili dog over someone they were operating on mm. in a state over... You'd want to know that so you could say, I'll, I'll wait for you to open me up um, until we have somebody who's not likely to eat on top of it, yeah, Who's right?
1: not you. Right? Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the same way, if there was a lawyer um, who, who basically said, you're going to jail unless you give me all this money and have sex with me, and then was disbarred for engaging in that behavior, you'd want to make sure that you knew that or that they couldn't be a lawyer anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's not how we treat police. Now, think about that. Doctors are given the power to take away or to restore life. Lawyers are given the power to take away or restore liberty and freedom. Cops can do both. (laughs) What are you doing?
3: How do you not have
4: national registrations for this shit?
3: They're literally the only people who are allowed to do
4: both. And we have nothing like those standards. So you can't, we have terrible cases. So let's take take, take the case of Tamir Rice where you have uh, Officer Timothy Lohman um, who was about to be fired in his last job because he couldn't regulate his emotions and he was bad at following standard use of force protocol. So he's like, fuck it, I'm going to quit. He shows up in Cleveland, doesn't tell them that he was about to get fired, and then inside of a couple months, he gets out of his car, inside of two seconds, shoots and kills a 12-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. gets on the radio and says, I just, just shot somebody, he's probably 20, right? They fire him from there, so what job do you think he has now? He's a police officer, like, right, inside the same goddamn states. Oh, oh man. My God. here's, here's the deal. If you made the registry, then states and cities and departments could say, if you have been fired for these reasons, you can't get a job here, and you circumvent all the problems that come yeah. up once they have the, the right. offer. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing that we're like, it's just common sense. Now, some of this feels milquetoast compared to the moment, because the moment isn't just about policing. You have me on because I'm an expert on racism and policing, but the reality is right now, this is a moment that's about the 401 years of unpaid debts owed to black communities. And policing is just the spark that brings us here. Okay? Mm. Um, but we can do some common sense, obvious shit, that's gonna make it at least a little bit better while we're thinking about doing the big shit, and we need to do both. It's everything and this is the improv moment for racial justice. It's a yes and kind of. Yes deal. and. Oh,
1: excuse you. Oh, Don't do right? a no, no but.
4: Excuse. Do a yes
0: yeah.
1: and. So that's what
4: I want to hear. And so what I what I'm not interested in is people saying it has to be my way because your way hasn't worked. No, no ways have worked enough, but if people think that the, the reform efforts that have been going down for the last quarter century have received appropriate funding and appropriate scaling, I don't know what they're smoking, but they should share. right? <laughs> like, it's just not a moment where it's important to tear down the things that make common sense. We should be doing both and. Now, I'm looking at the time, and you lovely yes. ladies are wonderful, but I'm seven minutes late to my next hit, oh, shit. so I have to let you go. God, I also, never they canceled to my out order. you
2: hate the movie Crash.
4: <sighs> um, yes, okay. Okay, I hate the movie Crash. Yes. It should never be t- played ever under any circumstances. Is, I okay. knew it. I knew it. Okay.
1: <laughs> Tell everyone before you go how they can find you, what they can do to just your your final words to our audience, to find you yeah. and also what we can all do right now.
4: Okay, so you can follow me on Twitter at DrPhilGoff. Um, It's D-R-P-H-I-L-G-O-F-F. Also following at Policing Equity. Policing Equity also has a Facebook page and is new on the Insta, like the young people say. You can go to policingequity.org if you want to buy merch that says Justice Nerd, which is our hashtag and is just super slick. Um, And you should just generally follow all those sets of things. But the most important thing that anybody can be doing right now, especially if you're not from or in or with the communities that are most directly affected, is buckle the fuck up and don't look away. There's going to be another one, and we got to climb out from underneath all of the carnage to look at anything like light, which means you got to get educated, do this, plus go to your library, find out when the union contract is up for renegotiation. Don't look away, stay engaged so that the next time we're not all, as a country, so stupid about what we allow for people with badges and guns to do in our name.
2: Good luck with your next meeting. I yeah. know you'll miss us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again.
1: We're buckling up. We're buckling up.
4: All uh, right. Y'all be good. Stay right. lesbian y, and I will, I will look forward to our next time talking. Okay. You
1: too. Okay. Stay lesbian y, Dr. Phil.
3: Okay. I will. Okay. <laughs> bye bye.
2: Now it's time for So There's That. Alright, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening because of or in spite of our piece of shit president, the diarrhea toilet Republicans <laughs> and the corona crazy culture work that they are all mm. responsible for She hates doing it, but right now we all need it because whether you're prescription medicating or self-medicating, everyone's levels are clearly the fuck off So tell us, what's your so there's that
1: moment for this week meow meow oh. You know As we move forward in the era of Black Lives Matter and Corona. Era. era Of Black Lives Matter and Corona, shit has hit the fan. And the air hopefully will continue to be consistently and irrevocably new and fresh. And see you later, pigs. Just kidding. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love when you do that. Now. (laughs) I love when you do that. Oh, it just feels good. Even though I'm going to pop whatever blood clot I have right now in my head and mouth. You know. It's been very interesting the last few weeks As it has felt just absolutely hopeless But I have to say This is the first time in I don't know how long Where I had to decide Between a few different so there's that What? Mm -hmm. Could it be true? And I think that And this seems to be what's up From the confederate flags being banned To the racist or very white leaning statues Coming a-tumbling down To buildings being renamed To glorify people who didn't oppress Enslave or keep men down with that said, this may seem trite, but I actually feel it's a huge step forward, particularly in our business where discrimination runs wild and feels like it actually capitalizes on stereotype sexism and white privilege. It's pulling the curtain back on something that maybe you kind of knew, but you were never really all that certain about. Now, as you know, I love animated shit. Yes. Cartoons, comic books, animated shows, movies, anything. <laughs> And I guess I never really stopped to wonder who was voicing what characters, because generally I always was wondering how many women were denied work. (laughs) But it has come to our attention that many animated shows and a few that I watch myself have had characters who were black or some other ethnicity voiced by white actors. Now, this is fucked up. You may say, but it's just the voice and that's a cartoon. But then I would argue, well, does an actor or should an actor be gay to play gay? People say acting is a craft of acting. Acting like a certain thing. I mean, I'm not actually a forensics expert. I'm acting like one. Are we going to hire the exact thing that the thing is supposed to be? Well, it's always better if you can. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they let Dr. Ken Jung play fucking his show is about being a doctor. That's true. But on the most part No we're acting We're pretending And true diehard Fucking craft people Acting whatever Will always say It's just You know What do we always say What it's acting Nothing more than Simply pretending to act (laughs) Exactly But I also
2: always say Fucking cast a gay person In a gay role Get the fuck out of my face Right
1: Now, maybe in the time of Shakespeare where they didn't even let women act and men played every part because women should be kept in the corner cooking, pregnant and sucking the man's dick, and men couldn't handle women living outside the role that they created for them and needed to control. Well, isn't that sort of what the white entertainment establishment has done now with roles that could very easily be given to that particular underserved community rather than continually controlling and being the white self-serving dominator? Now... I don't blame the actor who takes the role, for the most part, but I do blame the establishment, which needs to be changed. We all went crazy for Brokeback Mountain because Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger played gay. My God, what heroes! What a stretch! We don't need gay guys playing gay guys. We want celebrities and acting. Why cast a gay guy when you can cast Jake Gyllenhaal? Who's probably gay. (laughs) Certainly gay and trans parts have been more open and it's getting better. The visibility of hot gay men who women still want to fuck has grown exponentially. We've seen There's a rise. plenty
2: of gay guys I'd like
1: to fuck. I know. <laughs> we've seen a rise in the, in the, what is that word I tried to write? Foaming. I mean, certainly Tom Hardy. We've seen a rise in the, and, and Matt Bomer. Oh, we've even seen a rise in the flaming homosexual where he's once maybe played by a straight guy whistle talking and he could be our hero saying love is love and men are men, but I'm married and I love women, so don't worry about it. Though, God forbid, anyone lays eyes on a butch dyke for too long because God knows that's still a thing. Seriously, though, the LGBT situation in entertainment has come a long way and does have quite a ways to go. I mean, Chloe baguettes bagots playing trans. Fucking please. Come on. But it doesn't end with gay shit, trans shit, no. And even though there's a long way to go, the level that it's gotten better has to be acknowledged. Chloe
2: Moretz baguettes
1: bagots didn't do
2: trans, wasn't it? Chloe Sevigny?
1: I think they both did then Oh really two mm-hmm. Chloe's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rampant and egregious practice Of white actors voicing black characters Is still a thing but it looks like Those days are coming to an end The animated show the Cleveland show is an offshoot Of Family Guy Cleveland Brown was Peter Griffin's black neighbor and one of his inner circle Guy friends Cleveland got his own Spinoff and it lasted for like seven Seasons well it was sucked and Fucking Seth MacFarlane can suck his own fucking Asshole for that show <laughs>
2: that show was fucking a problem from the beginning right
1: now Cleveland is like a huge beloved character on Family Guy and guess what the actor who played Cleveland up until this week is white white what the fuck are Are you you kidding me can you even
2: take it his wife on the on the show show I mean on the Cleveland show yeah well
1: wow did he play 13 other characters on Family Guy I believe so yeah The actor who is named Mike Henry came out this week and said he's going to step down from playing Cleveland. And I love what he said. He tweeted, it's been an honor to play Cleveland on Family Guy for 20 years. I love this character, but persons of color should play characters of color. Therefore, I will be stepping down from the role. Like I said, I don't blame the actors. We are suffering fools who will take any fucking job that is offered. Honestly, if someone said you need to voice a disabled black deaf veteran up until this second, honestly, I'd say how much and when do I start? I haven't worked in a year. Bitch, (sighs) you worked in fucking December. I did? And you did play a fucking veteran. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, we're desperate and we'll take anything. And if you're an actor, you know, we've all been there. However, the shift in consciousness is sorely needed and Mike Henry has already opened the door for other actors to do the same. Apparently Jenny Slate voiced a character on the show Big Mouth who is mixed race. She's stepping down. Kristen Bell voices a character on a show called Central Park. She's stepping down. And even Hank Azaria who voices Apu on The Simpsons said he will be relinquishing the role. I think this is an important step for the entertainment industry and actors. On the one hand, it's a sacrifice for actors to give up roles that are virtually impossible to come by. And on the other hand, it's a huge deal for people of color to attain roles that are also impossible to come by and have been passed over because of white privilege. The playing field needs to be evened out and everyone needs to step back and assess their role as a player. And even more so, the game itself needs a complete overhaul. And I think these sacrifices by these actors will lead the way for more work for people of color. So there's that. Okay, so that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics.
2: Thank you guys for listening. We love you all so much, and we are so grateful for all 14 of you, especially now. Mm -hmm. Please consider joining our Patreon podcast if you haven't yet. It's $1 for one podcast a week and $2 for two podcasts a week. They're both an hour and they can definitely be hit or miss as far as content, <laughs> but there's no ads and no politics and best of all, no fucking pressure to join the Patreon. It's just us pulling shit out of our asses and discussing it. You might find it soothing to listen to something with no structure But if nothing else, you'll be distracted from your own life, thinking how annoying and insufferable and tone deaf we are.
1: (laughs) And right now, it's important that we all spend part of every day plugged in and paying attention and contributing to this moment in whatever way that means for you. But if you start to feel hopeless or frustrated or overwhelmed, remind yourself that it's okay to disconnect and do something mindless. And there's nothing more mindless than our Patreon podcast. But just remember, like Brandy said, you might get triggered, but that's part of the fun. So if you want to try it, just go to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and scroll down to the episode from September 11th, which is unlocked and free to listen to.
2: And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And fill up a T-B-A-G-A-F. Buckle
5: up. How'd you do I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand.
0: From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme And maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty grooving Or if you want something visual That's not too abysmal We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie I'm glad we caught you at home could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we
5: are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any
0: worry. Well, you got caught with a flat, world. Well, how about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania (laughs) Why don't you
5: stay for the night? Night Or maybe a bite? I could show you my favorite obsession I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan And he's good for living. my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual
0: Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania